Episode 32, Cornfields and Kernels of Mystery. (laughs) As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. <laughs> and Colonel Sanders? Well, Colonel Sanders would be a Kentucky colonel made out of corn. Mm-hmm. If he's like, I oh, see here, I am a... I'm just a humble little corn, <laughs> but I have lived an amazing life. Oh, corn maze. Ding, yeah. ding. Yeah. I'm a bit husky, so I need to lay off of the cornbread. <laughs> Although I don't know why a corn would be eating corn. That's cannibalism. That's cannibalism. It's like uh, eating popcorn. That's... If you're a if you're a walking talking row of corn, you should not eat popcorn because that's cannibal. True, a, but I made some delicious popcorn yesterday. Let me tell you. Yeah. I had like a movie day. It was like rainy here in New York City. Rainy movie day with some fresh made popcorn. Oh, nice. Best. The oh best. shucks. That sounds like a fun time. It was. I uh, you missed the all shucks bit. Oh, shucks like corn. Yeah. Like shucking corn. Do you know who the corniest baseball player of all time was? No. I like that you actually took a minute to listen. I tried to come up with something that could work, but... Ty Cobb. Aha. Did you know that there's an app for corn, corn growers? No. It's made in Silicon Valley. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Anyhow, if you're a walking, talking stock of corn, don't eat corn because that'd be cannibalism. Or yeah. maybe it would just make you a cornivore. Whoa. Look at you. You're on a roll with these corns. I know. And I appreciate that you're all ears for <laughs> my corny jokes. Anyhow... <laughs> Here we go. This is uh, Nightmarica, and I'm Aaron Sagers, and joined as always by my co-host, Britt. Britt, Emmy, what's up, crew? 
crew. All right. Not Nightmarecans. My American crew. I don't know. American crew. Um, so, yeah. All right. We're we're in still in the thick of Halloween season. Have you just checking in? It's it's middle. Well, almost middle of October by two I days. I know. Can you believe it's almost the middle of October? This month has gone by really fast. Yes. Anything scary happening other than eating popcorn? No. No, just enjoying the fall. Yeah. What about you? Not really. Just been watching some some horror movies. I did I did get a pumpkin spice latte, which is really not my thing. I'm not really but a you pumpkin have spice to have latte. At guy. least one. Yeah. I it was really I was just in the mood for something caffeinated and I didn't want coffee, so I went for the pumpkin spice latte. I didn't go, I, I normally just drink my coffee black. So this was just I wanted to switch it up a little bit. So yeah. that was my my autumnal action for this past week. But fantastic. I Did you like get that on the pie. day that you voted? Uh no, but I did vote. I, I did know. vote. And Me too. Did you get a sticker? No, I did a mail-in ballot. They should mail you back a sticker. They should, but, right? Yeah. Or you can just make up your own sticker, your own Nightmarica sticker. I should. I, I think even paranormal creatures and and the and probably killers. Actually, has there been ever has there ever been research on known murderers or serial killers and if they were good voters or not? Oh, that is an excellent question. I'm going to Google that when we're done. I okay. don't know. There's a brain teaser great. for you. I know. Yeah. I like that. I don't know whether. <laughs> I, I any predictions? I'm going to bet they're probably not active voters. Really? I was going to say probably would be active voters. I don't know. I feel like their minds are preoccupied with other stuff. All the killing. All yeah. the killing just takes up a lot of brain space. And they space. Like, don't like creating records for themselves. They like to be off the grid. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, you know, voting. And, you, you know, takes away from precious killing time. Anyhow. Yeah. yeah so. We'll stop <laughs> killing time and get we will. to our oh. topic this week. I appreciate that you went for your own pun. <laughs> well, before we get into the topic, before we break it down, let's take a break. Not a break, but let's hear from some of the news of the weird. Look, you know, sometimes this, this show, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> I like to think I've thought about it far in advance, but not always. Nope. So what's your news story? My news story this week, uh, taking the cheap seats because you actually sent this to me. So thanks for doing my research for me, bro. Um, it is the fact that there is a ghost or possible ghost in the American Murder Chris Watts documentary on Netflix. Um, it's actually curious that this has come about because when I watched it, I actually felt like there were some weird things going on before I even knew about this. Um, specifically when he, Chris Watts, the murderer of his family, um, was standing in front of the TV. He is talking about, um, I always want to call her Shannon, but it's Shannon, I think. Okay. I can't correct um, you. I don't know. She, it talks about her being pregnant and the TV behind him flashes a fetus 
And then as he's talking a little bit later, it flashes a skull in oil. And for those of you who don't know, he buried, well, not even buried, he put her in an oil tanker. So I thought that was quite curious. And then to see this come about, they're saying that there's the ghost of one of the Watts children in the house. Um, if you watch the video, which I can link to, um, there's a light that turns off in a room that no one's in. There seems to be some kind of light flickering in the bathroom. And then what most people point out is that there seems to be a little girl in the background of one of the videos. To be fair, her best friend, who's their neighbor, also has a daughter. So I do think it's possible that it could have been her in the house at the time. But I definitely think there's some energy going on in that house. Well, part of that is I think a lot of times when there's these images supposedly spotted in the background of footage, or even just in life, a lot of things that are attributed to paranormal phenomena, a lot of times I do think that we're looking at cases of uh, pareidolia, which is when you see a pattern in something. Basically, the human brain wants to find recognizable patterns Mm-hmm. In in objects, clouds, maybe you're looking at uh, tiles. I remember I, it, we, the house that I grew up in when I was a kid, I would see faces in the tiles all the time. But So there's that. But I also tend to think that as far as paranormal phenomena goes, there could be oodles of things lurking in the background of footage. So there's a mm-hmm. reasonable explanation. But also I do think that It's possible that a lot of stuff is documented, but especially considering this is about these horrible murders, maybe in theory there were some sort of spirits, specters presenting themselves, seeking justice, seeking attention and closure. I mean, that certainly would fit with the classic paranormal theory that, that they stick around to find some sort of justice. Yeah. I think so for sure. So that is interesting. It is a interesting news bit. I I mean, I'm always fascinated when those things pop up. I don't know that I always believe it, but I'm always fascinated when the news stories pop up. There was supposedly a ghost. I remember right after Michael Jackson's death, there was someone, maybe CNN or someone filming at Neverland Ranch. And supposedly there was this, image this ghostly image that walked across the background of the shot mm. i forget what the exact what the explanation was but it it probably wasn't a ghost it's probably just some sort of reflection but anyhow uh well that's a cool one my story comes to us from texas and i want to give a shout out to ksat.com which is a texas website and and I believe TV channel. Anyhow, Padre Island National Seashore, supposedly a mystery sea creature, washed up on the beach just last week. Oh my God. We're, yeah, October 9th, actually, as it happens. Now, so far, this story is inconclusive, but uh, initially the officials thought it was a Texas blind snake, which looks similar to an earthworm and does show up when habitats, when the blind snake's habitats will flood. Mm. And there has been coastal flooding taking place there. Other people seem to think it was an eel. However, 
the officials at the Padre Island National Seashore said, well, they said that sometimes these eels can mimic the coloring of venomous sea snakes to deter predators mm. and are often, often washed up by large storms, which gotta love nature. I love yeah. that nature does that kind of thing. I know. However, it's still somewhat unclear what this thing might be. They tend to be thinking the this the snake eel is kind of what they're going for, but other people are not so sure. But it is a creepy little bugger. I know that if I were to see this in the water, have you ever seen a a snake in the water? No, but I've heard stories and it seems absolutely terrifying. It's a little unsettling. Yeah. But there's all sorts of things in the water, especially when you head down south. But although, I think probably recently something that startled me, not even startled me, just gave me pause, was I was in Cape Cod over the summer, and I was looking for white sharks all over the place, and I had some close encounters with some seals, but the thing that actually gave me pause was when I was in a lake swimming, and this snapper turtle popped up right next to me, and, you know, snapper turtles can really do some damage on you if they want to. Yes, absolutely. that one gave me pause, but... This snake eel, if you've seen it in Texas, let us know because officials still are not 100% certain of what this is. All right. So, the topic. Topic for today. Cornfields. Cornfields. Right. They As a mis- I, Midwestern girl, I know them well. You know your corn. I do know my corn. Is there like... Do you think there's a website dedicated ju- to just images and videos of corn? And it's oh my god, corn- there's got to be. Would it be called Corn Hub? Yes. And if there's not, please, listeners, create it. Well, why don't we create it and sell it for millions? <laughs> I don't know if it would sell for millions. It's but... like, it's like, as soon as uh, during the vice president. Pre- during the vice presidential debates last week, as soon as that fly landed on Mike Pence's head, I'm like, someone better be on top of a Twitter account right away. Yes. And indeed, oh, and there were multiple. Like billion now. Yeah. yeah. They're multiplying like flies. Oh. That's, that was good. So, I was going to follow it up with some sort of fly thing, but I got nothing, I guess. <laughs> but the... I lost my track. Apparently it was such a good pun, Britt, that you threw me off my game entirely. Well done. Well done. So cornfields. Yes, you're a Midwestern girl. I I did not grow up around a lot of cornfields, but I have certainly spent some time in them because I lived in Pennsylvania. I've spent a lot of time in the Midwest. And cornfields have always held this air of mystery because, Mm -hmm. well, first off, there's children of the corn. Yep. Great, creepy, kind of cheesy movie. Yeah, but a good, a classic. And so you've seen that one? I have seen that one. Okay, I'm impressed. I haven't seen many movies, but I've seen a lot of creepy, culty classics, like, in the horror genre. Right. That's, like, all I watch. Um, and what was the name of the kid? Was it Ezekiel? Was the... I think so. The bad kid, or... Um, yes, I think it was Ezekiel. 
No, it was Isaac. It was Isaac. Oh, I would have bet money on it being Ezekiel. Well, that sounds, sounds like a like very... A name, corny yeah. name. I know, just like, he who walks behind the woes. I, I like, <laughs> I still say that one. But anyhow, yeah, that that story was Stephen, it was a Stephen King short story that was originally yeah. published in Penthouse Magazine. So, oh. Yeah, yeah. Back when, back when porn was kind of classy like that and would also have some stories. Anyhow, the cornfields, yeah, they held an air of mystery for me when I was a mm-hmm. kid. And certainly places where creepy stuff were to happen. It, it was like a place where you might expect to get stalked by a killer yep. or it was stalked. I didn't even intend that one. <laughs> wow. Wow. I didn't even mean that one. That Stalked was awesome. by a killer, or it'd be a place where paranormal stuff would happen. Yeah. And of course, there's corn mazes. Did you yeah. have you ever seen a scarecrow, like a real scarecrow? Oh yeah, I've seen a real scarecrow. I've been in corn mazes. It's gonna come as no surprise to our listeners that I wasn't allowed to go into cornfields often because I was told growing up that bad men hide in cornfields. So. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe some, well, I, the, some might, some might, but it's amazing I ever left my home because my mother made me feel like bad men were hiding everywhere. Yeah, which is like so hilarious because all the men in my life are really incredible. Like I have the sweetest dad, like all that. But man, I was really raised that there was men coming to get you hiding in every place they could. Yeah, should definitely unpack that in therapy. Yeah. The... <laughs> I didn't see a whole lot of scarecrows growing up, but I loved scarecrows. I mean, there's Scarecrow, the villain from the Batman universe. I think Marvel yes, also has its so own scarecrow. Good. But just the idea of scarecrows, I was always fascinated by them, but we didn't really need them so much growing up in Florida. But I don't know if you ever saw the the scary stories to tell in the dark became a mm-hmm. movie, but as a book series, oh, you should you should look this up. Okay. So in the in the book series, the story called Harold was about this scarecrow that was created by a couple farmers. They, they changed the story a little bit in the movie, but Harold is a scarecrow created by a couple farmers. They name it Harold because they hate this other farmer named Harold. So they make it to look like him. But then throughout the course of this story, he starts to, they start noticing that it looks like he's moving or changing mm. shape or coming alive somewhat. It's creepy, but the, illustration for Harold is iconic and creepy. It's it's just something that I can conjure in my brain as a scary scarecrow image. But that's the story of Harold. They did a good job with it in the in the movie as well, even though they changed it. That, uh, Ew. Oh, look, yeah. Yeah. Ew, this is so creepy. Yeah, it's great. And then my of course My sister wanted to name me Scarecrow growing up. Really? Yeah. Because you were tall? She really, uh, no, like as a baby, she really loved the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. So she wanted or, to be Dorothy and name me Scarecrow. And apparently she didn't think you had a brain. True that. So. It, I mean, listen, she is the smarter one of the two of us. <laughs> have you seen Field of Dreams? That involves like ghosts coming out of a cornfield. I field. have not. You have not seen Field of Dreams? No, why would I watch Field of Dreams? Because it's a classic movie oh it's baseball it's not really about baseball it's about the american spirit and it's about relationships with 
parents and about dreams and fields <laughs> and dreams that exist within fields. <laughs> and it's about a young Ray Liotta who looks pretty dashing in it. Ray Kevin Liotta Costner. is pretty dashing. Well, okay, but I'm saying, you know, but it's, but it involves ghosts coming out of a cornfield. Consider it like, right. you know, it's good. Maybe wait till spring. When okay. It's baseball time. And just another cornfield fact. We'll get to our story. But <laughs> I was going to tell this story, but I ended up not, that the Battle of Antietam, the Civil War, was the bloodiest day of battle in American history, it is said. It's like 22,000 people were dead, wounded, or missing. But part of that took place in a cornfield, which are now really reported to be haunted. So, Oh. Yeah. I just didn't go with a... I didn't go with the Civil War story. I don't know. But maybe we'll come back to Antino. Anyhow. So, hey, before we get into the stories, how about a word from our sponsor? How about that? As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Nightmarica is excited to announce we have a new sponsor, Manscaped. And to talk about the men's grooming kits, we have a really big fan of Manscaped. But not a man. A Sasquatch. From the Florida Everglades, let's welcome Skunk Ape to the show. Thanks for joining, Mr. Ape. Oh, Skunk is fine, just fine. That's uh, that's what my friends call me. Even though you're an elusive cryptid, you're able to have a social life? Oh, sure, sure. Wood booger, yeah, we mow, mow, wendigo, mow, galong. We all, we all hang out. Well, that's great. With all those friends, it's probably important to look your best. We take a lot of pride in how we look uh, in the Sasquatch community, especially a uh, since, uh, as you can imagine, there ain't a whole heck of a lot of us out there, so it gets pretty darn competitive getting attention from the lady squatches. So the Lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped has a durable, skin-safe ceramic blade when you groom your, uh, squatchy regions. Don't you know it? That Lawnmower 3.0 holds an edge, so I'm less likely to nick my nugs. It's happened before, and it ain't pretty. There's blood everywhere. Everyone down in the glades heard me howl out that one time. Whoop whoop! That's what that's what it sounded like when I nicked my nugs, but not with this lawnmower 3.0. 
Dude, that's intense. I have certainly been there. It is no fun at all. Skunky, I imagine grooming down there probably takes a lot of time because you're a pretty big guy. Well, you know what they say about big feet. Big shoes? Big balls! Yep, right, sizable. Sasquastacles. Big old ones. But with them lithium-ion batteries I can charge that puppy up on the USB dock, I can use it for 90 minutes. It's even waterproof, so I can fire it up in the glades and take a good long time getting my squashticles right where they needs to be. Well, with that waterproof technology, that's got to be helpful in the glades. Or even for a human like me who uses the shower. Is the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 getting you noticed down there? Only in the right ways. All the lady squatches, or, or men, no, no judgment, they take notice. But I can still stay hidden, because with that quiet stroke technology, it does not make a lot of noise and attract unwanted look-a-loos. And that's a very important part of the Squatch code. You gotta stay undercover, you know? I can even groom up my squashticles in the middle of the night, because it's got an LED light on it, so you can see where your Patterson and Gimlin are. It's a memorable pair. And speaking of memorable pairs, you also like the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner? Well, you might have heard I have a bit of an odor issue, hence the nickname Skunky. And with the Florida humidity, uh, I can smell pretty darn ripe down there. So I use that Manscaped Ball Deodorant to, to make the squashicles smell fresh as a daisy and the ball toner to freshen up when skunk turns to funk. Maybe we should start calling you Flowers instead of Skunky. Well, Skunky, if you or your Squatch Buddies or any listeners out there want to groom safely, and who doesn't, head over to manscaped.com and enter code NIGHTMERICA for 20% off plus free shipping off your order. For one more time, that's... Squatchscaped. No, no, it's not. It's Manscaped. Manscaped. The right tools for the job. Okay, how about that? So, uh, Manscaped, welcome to Nightmarica. We appreciate you being there. And Skunky, thank you for giving us your time, being so gracious with your time from the Florida Everglades. Well, let's dip into the stories. Let's hear about some cornfields. Uh, I'm guessing you went with something murdery. You know it. Um, I felt very much uh, in my element researching this story. Um, this is kind of like one of those classic true crime cases that I... I'm really interested in where it didn't get a lot of publicity. Um, and it made me sad in the same way that Sydney Loof's murder did. If you guys didn't listen to our internet episode, um, where it was about the loss of someone who's on the brink of something really great in their life. Um, so I am doing the murder of Sierra Joffin or C as she was called by her friends In 2016, she was 20 years old, and she was enrolled in human resource management at the University of Toledo's Junior College of Business. So already I connect with her because we've got stuff in common, and she was uh, a stunning young girl. Like, she was loved by her community. She's from a small town. One thing we don't have in common is that she was an avid cyclist. And I don't know how to ride a bike. But on July 19th, 2016, she was out biking with her boyfriend, Josh Kalansky, who she'd been dating since she was 13 years old. Um, They kissed goodbye at 645 outside of Josh's home. 
And Sierra continued back to her home where she lived with her parents in the small town of Metamora, Ohio, uh, which had a population of 627 people, which is small. That's smaller than my graduating high school class. Super small. Uh, So when she didn't make it home by dark, understandably, her mom got nervous. And as any mom would, she immediately called the police. Uh, instantly, because she was so known and beloved, the community was immediately involved. Police, locals, um, a bunch of students from the University of Toledo just hit the ground searching for her. And they actually found, about a day or two later, found her bi- her bike laying in an abandoned cornfield. Next to it were men's sunglasses, a screwdriver, and curiously, a fuse box... Um, Oof. screwdriver just made me cringe. Oh, just wait. Um, so luckily a driver passing by the scene actually spotted a motorcycle helmet a little bit further away from the scene and there happened to be blood on it and it was blood that didn't belong to Sierra. Uh, so who did it belong to? It was James Worley. He was a convicted kidnapper who went to jail in 1990 for abducting a woman on a bicycle, and he lived one mile away from this crime scene. So, puzzle pieces are falling together. Uh, Robin Gardner was his first known victim, who at 26 years old was cycling just 20 miles from Sierra's crime scene, and James had hit Robin with his truck while she was on her bike by accident, air quotes, and then got out to offer her help, but instead of helping her, he knocked her on the head with a brick. Uh, Robin was then thrown into the back of his truck. James was trying to put handcuffs on her, and then took a screwdriver to her throat and said, if you make any noise, I'm going to kill you. This woman, incredibly, was able to jump out of the vehicle and run away. She passed a motorcyclist who saw her. This person saved her, threw him on the back of the bike, and took her to the police. So she was able to give a really great description. And they caught James, and he served a whole three years of his 10-year sentence. Yeah, of course. Of course. What, What could possibly go wrong after that? Exactly. You know, you just tried to abduct a woman, you know... That's a, that's a one-time thing, you know? That's not right. someone who escalates. Just get it out of your system. Yeah. So, of course, they noticed his proximity to Sierra's crime scene. Um, they decided to search his house and question him. And while questioning him, he said, well, yes, his motorcycle had broken down in the area, so that's why his helmet would be there. But he didn't kill anyone and he didn't steal anything. Okay. Okay. Great. Seems reasonable. So they felt the same as us, and they began searching his house, and guess what they found? A dungeon hidden behind another room uh, where there was a, this is so gross, freezer lined with carpet that had blood, handcuffs, rope, tape, and women's underwear inside. In the room, there was also a mattress with blood on it, and in testing, they found the blood belonged to Sierra. 
Oh, it just makes you sick. On top of all of that, they acquired his phone records and found he'd been pinged exactly where her bike was found for two hours on the day that she had gone missing. So they further search in the cornfield and a couple miles southwest, they find a freshly dug grave where Sierra was found bound and was determined to have suffered from asphyxiation. He was charged with murder and abduction and pled not guilty to all charges. Amazingly, his defense team said that the stuff in the basement can easily be explained because James wanted to start his own pornography studio with a BDSM focus. Okay, well then, like, why was her blood there, you sick... Ugh. The... Prosecution brought James's sister onto the sand, and she actually said that she thinks he might have killed two other women. Like, she always suspected this of him. Um, she thinks he killed a sex worker at one point, and then in the 70s, a woman she didn't name uh, but had dated him. She believed that he had killed her as well when she just kind of disappeared. The prosecution even said they believed James had an incestuous relationship with his mother, um, and developed many psychological problems as a result of this and just kind of his troubling life growing up. Finishing the trial, James went on a 45-minute rant during his sentencing, claiming that he was innocent, claiming that he had been framed, and even had the guts to say to her family, the loss of this beautiful girl is a huge blow to her friends. Like, how dare you? You created this loss. Like, don't be telling her family how they feel. It's your fault. That right. just made me mad. Well, yeah, no, it, it's, I mean, everything about this is enraging and disgusting. Yeah. But, you know, when you're going to do this kind of thing, obviously, you're going to say a whole lot of nonsense to either try to absolve yourself or get out of the situation or whatever. Yeah. Well, two years after her murder, James Worley was given the death sentence, and he's currently sitting on death row in Ohio. Um, amazingly, a few months after his conviction, Ohio passed Ohio, Ohio passed Sierra's law, which created a searchable database for violent offenders similar to the sex offender registry, where you can go to your local sheriff's office and search your area. Um, and then I was really touched by this. Her boyfriend at the time, who she'd known all her life, Josh Kalansky, um, created an organization called Keeping Our Girls Safe, which teaches self-defense classes to women and they have an annual motorcycle ride and bike ride as their fun fundraiser. They did it virtually this year already, um, but you can learn more about it at kogsafe.com. Um, I just think it's really incredible work for, you know, her best friend and boyfriend to have done this for her. Um, and... Her mom said in an article that I read, I think in the New York Post, um, that even after her death, she's moving mountains. So I thought that yeah. was incredible. The, well, the various things I'm thinking is obviously based on what you described. This would not have been this guy's first. No way. 
first go around doing this kind of thing. There's no way. Did did they find any other DNA in that room that would have belonged mm. to other people? No. But yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if like he'd done it so often and just like cleaned up after himself. There's no way you go from, you know, zero well, to yeah. 60. Yeah. Jeez. I, I know. This is the kind of thing that with the old true crime part of this podcast sometimes <laughs> just puts me in a spot where I, you know, we're recording this in the morning and I already need a drink. I, <laughs> I feel like this is the kind of thing that we need to create... Maybe we need to record. Maybe listeners out there can help us. Like, a palate cleansing moment. Yeah. Before we get Before into... we move on to the next story. Yeah, we need, like, an audio mint that just, <laughs> you know, freshens up the, the situation. Granted, I mean, I tell ghost stories of really horrible things that have happened, but... And there are. I mean, there's some really gruesome things that have happened in the past. I don't know. It's just the this kind of thing, man. It's it just heavy. Sits with you. Yes, it does, it's doesn't a, it? A little bit heavy. And thanks if for this the, was so thanks recent. for the heads up. Yeah. <laughs> but I think what helps is that her family and her boyfriend aren't letting her go in vain. You know. I mean, it doesn't make up for her loss, but they're yeah. doing great things for other women. That is great. Although I do wish they would offer that self-defense course to like kids too, because yeah, you know, that's smart. We took self-defense in my yeah, we took self-defense in my high school. That's good. Yeah, that yeah. should be something that everyone learns. Go for the eyeballs. Yeah. So um, I think I've talked about on this this podcast before that my mom would say, try to punch and jam the nasal uh, yes. bone like up into the brain or whatever yes so you know but i grew up in a time when there was all sorts of the stories of kidnappings and men with vans yeah. kind of thing but whew, okay man uh well i'll move into my comparatively chipper story <laughs> uh, <laughs> um Seriously, need a breath mint. We need a we need a a, a refresher. But <laughs> my story, I'm going to begin with quote. I think it's a UFO landing. Unquote. October sixteenth, nineteen ninety, in Milan, Illinois, or is it Milan? I don't know. Milan sounds I very bet fancy. They say Milan. Milan. Oh, okay. I'm gonna bet. Milan, Illinois. Okay, well, James Lawson was a farmer, and on that morning of October 16th, 1990, he went out to inspect his land, as a farmer might, and in the sea of corn was what looked like a perfectly flattened circle. And he told the Associated Press, which was then reported by the Courier and Press newspaper out of Evansville, Illinois, he said it looked like something had landed on it. Quote, whatever it was, it came down from the elements and took off. Well, about a month later, only eight miles away, another farmer named Mike Thompson had his own occurrence. His co-worker, Mike Searle, 
had been riding his John Deere through Thompson's Cornfield on November 23rd. And side note, as someone that has spent a lot of time in the South, not just Florida, but Georgia, a couple other spots, I love that when you can just refer to a John Deere as just a John Deere instead of a yeah. John Deere tractor. Yeah. It's just it's on its own. Anyhow, Mike Searle was riding his John Deere through Thompson's Cornfields on November 23rd when he unexpectedly came to a clearing on Mike Thompson's property. And this was a 64-foot circle. And, according to him, it was an immaculate 64-foot circle. Searle said he ran into it, or about ran into it, so then he backed out and went around it and was surprised to find that all of the corn around this was standing. Meanwhile, Thompson, back to Thompson, Mike Thompson, the second cornfield situation, said some people might think it was crazy, but it was there. And of course, this is what we know collectively as what? Crop circles. All right. Good job. Teed that up. You knocked it out. I appreciate <laughs> it. So let's talk about crop circles. So there are some claims that crop circles, claims of crop circles that supposedly go back for centuries. The There's this one piece of woodcut from 1678 that shows a crop circle, a, a, a field of oats that are laid out in a circle. What that one actually is, that, that woodcut is what's known as a mowing devil. Mm. And according to that legend, which is pretty cool, like a mowing devil. Sounds like yeah. someone that's just really good at lawn mowing. But a mowing devil <laughs> is, it's, I believe, English in origin. So if a farmer told a worker with whom he was feuding that uh, he would rather pay the devil himself to cut his oat field than pay the fee that was demanded of the worker. So mm. basically, Britt, I want you to I want you to mow my my lawn and but well or no, if I asked you to mow my lawn and you're like, screw you, I'd rather pay the devil himself yeah. to cut. I'm I'm bungling it a little bit. I know what I'm trying I get, to say. I though. get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyhow, you the say it would get it. Yeah. Yeah, they can they can piece it together. Still your story that's screwed up my my ability to think right now. Anyhow, <laughs> I'm sorry. So the mowing devil legend was actually what was in that woodcut. So that was not really a a crop circle by modern mm. ideas. It was more Satan himself actually mowing that guy's lawn. Anyhow, the real crop circle movement began in around 1966 in Tully, Australia, and then it tend, it seemed to grow in the 70s and exploded in the 1980s and 1990s. Now, of course, there were a lot of hoaxes connected to mm -hmm. crop circles, but in a year where these things seemed to be at a peak, 1990, there were at least 60 reports of crop circles in the United States, even though wow. largely associated with England, at least 60 reported in the United States. So what causes them? Aliens. Now, well, that's certainly one theory <laughs> that's, that's on the nose with that one. 
And, well, okay, so there's the idea of aliens. There's the idea of human time travelers from the distant mm. future coming back to our planet. In fact, that, that loops, that ties into a lot of alien lore. There's the, okay, if they are aliens, are they sending us messages? Benjamin Radford, who is a name that's that's out there quite a bit, he wrote for Live Science and pointed out that some people believe circles are actually created by either wind patterns or even by Earth's own energy fields. What he's talking about there are what we commonly know as ley lines. Mm. There's a molecular biologist named Horace Drew who says that he's going with the alien life or time travel notion. And he even believes that some of these circles are actually messages that when decoded say things like believe or there is good out there uh, you know if it's believe it's very x-file kind of yeah. kind of thing but maybe it's just alien graffiti who knows maybe aliens are just popping by and tagging the earth or maybe yeah maybe there's they are signals to other extraterrestrial life so when when someone from venus flies to earth maybe it's a sign that says like stay away yeah. Or pardon Earth's mess. Civilization still under construction. Yeah. Or or these guys are just crazy. They'll try to shoot you. Anyhow, so some of the hoaxes, there was a pretty famous one connected to Stonehenge, the Stonehenge Circles in 1996 that was created by three men. So the notion of hoaxes definitely swirled about these crop circles. And indeed, the police in Illinois thought that these were hoaxes. We think it's probably just kids, said Sheriff Ton Van Wolliver. And he believed that they had even found a hole that he said had once been filled with a wooden stake. And what that what he thought that meant was that the stakes were planted in the ground to mark off the circles so then hoaxers could flatten the crops. There was also, again the police say this, their claim, that a local newspaper got an anonymous call not after Lawson's discovery, and Lawson was the first farmer, and the caller warned authorities that another crop circle was coming. Hence, sort of setting up the story for Thompson's circle, which would happen later. Although I did not find what local newspaper this call was was phoned into and if they could verify that. So that seems to be a claim by the police. But but consider that in 1990, in this area, there were 70 UFO sightings. Whoa! And seven between the appearance of the first circle and the second circle. And one of them included the same night that the Lawson discovered his crop circle, a 23-year-old woman was reported to have seen a strange craft hovering over Fort Wayne, which is Indiana, I guess. Mm-hmm, it is. Two days later, in Argos, Indiana, a father and son were driving down the road and saw a silent aircraft that they said was shaped like a bow tie lingering over the road, and they watched this for 15 minutes. And in Louisville, Kentucky, a little farther away, but I guess still close, a woman was looking out of her 12th floor window of her office building, 
Sunny day, saw a saucer rise from below her and move about in these half-circle loops, and co-workers, she said, joined her. They watched for 20 minutes, and then the second craft appeared, and this one was shaped like a boomerang, mm. and the two merged together and then vanished. So, while we have these ghost stories... And as I mentioned, Antietam is the is a cornfield from Civil War, Bloody's Battle, American history. We still have these crop circles, and so maybe we're looking for ghosts inside of the cornfields when we should also keep an eye out for aliens. Or, yeah, I absolutely think it's aliens. Or hoaxers, or who knows. Uh, I guess my thing is that it could be hoaxers, but... It does take a lot of coordination and a lot of work to yeah. pull this kind of thing off. It can be done, but it does take a fair amount of work. So, yeah, that's that's my cornfield story coming out of Illinois in 1990. It's a brief one, but it's interesting just because we associate so many of these crop circles with England, and yet America has its own fair share as well. So... Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if there were some that were hoaxers. I mean, there's always going to be people trying to, you know, pull the wool over your eyes. But I think they got the idea from the aliens. You mean the aliens phoned them up and was like, Psh, I got a good idea for you. No, here's the aliens, you, what the you're aliens gonna do. did it. And then these drunk teens were like, oh, man, I don't know what do it. My alien sounds like he's from Brooklyn. Like, hey, I got an idea for you. So you know, you know what you want to do. He's a mob boss. Well, I mean, they could also just have an accent like that, and and you know, and maybe he's from like the the uh, Brooklyn part of of Draconis or whatever, <laughs> which is a planet. They're they're like uh, they're the the reptile people. That's where they come from. Yeah. <laughs> I like that you say, yeah. I don't think you actually knew that No, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know. I just said, yeah, to agree. I appreciate your confirmation. <laughs> I so asked our... my Illinois family how they pronounced Milan, Illinois. They don't know. Yeah. But I'm going to guess it's Milan. Sounds very fancy when you say Milan. When I was living... Well, because living... there's also a Cairo. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, so they when call I was... it Cairo. Yeah, when I was living in Georgia, that's there was a Cairo that was called Cairo. There yeah. was also there was an Albany, like Albany, New York. But they called it Albany. Albany. Yeah. yeah. And there's Omega, but that would be Omega. Mm. And yeah, so it's you know why they do that? They do that so they know you're not a local. Oh. So is yeah. that like Houston Street versus Houston Street in yes. New York? Yes. Yes. Yeah. There was a restaurant in in New York that was called Houston's. Yes. But it was always referred to as Houston's, Houston's. by anybody that lives there. But it's a chain. Anyhow, I think it's now known as Hillstone. I wonder if they changed their name just to avoid that. Probably. Yeah. So, well, before we get out of here, let's talk a little bit. I think we have sort of the same... Paranormal pop culture. Bet we probably we, do. <laughs> well, 
it's not like we're being really mysterious about this particular one because we did sort of plan it. But yeah, The Haunting of Bly Manor, the second season of The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix, created and directed by Mike Flanagan, and it's out. We've been we've been working through it, mm-hmm. and you saw Hill House, right? Oh yeah, love it. Oh, yeah. that's one of my most favorite shows on Netflix. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would say I, I'm not being i'm not exaggerating when i call it brilliant i would say it's yeah, a brilliant it show so bly manor by comparison what are you thinking you're not you're not done i'm right? not done i've only watched through i think episode six or seven um i have read turning of the screw right which is w- what it's based on henry james um, great great gothic story one of yes. one of the one of the definitions, really, of gothic literature. Absolutely. And it's a... The Turning of the Screw is a great story. And I've actually read... Like, Ruth Ware did, I think, The Turning of the Key. Or something where she made an adaptation of it. There's been a lot of adaptations. And I have to say, I think The Haunting of Bly Manor might be my favorite adaptation of the classic book. I also really love the casting. I love the diversity of the casting when... It's written in this gothic novel where probably everybody is white, so white and straight. So I think they've done a really incredible, like, job with that. It makes it more interesting, in my opinion. Um, I'm a big fan. I like it. What do you think? Yeah, well, so gothic literature overall, a lot of times... Did you ever see Crimson Peak? No, but I want to. It's it's somewhat it's by Guillermo del Toro and he's a big mm-hmm. fan of gothic literature. It was not a perfect movie, but people expected it to be a horror and I think some people that might be watching Blind Manor or or set out to watch Blind Manor might expect it to be a horror show, but gothic literature was about sort of this sense of foreboding and the creeping mm-hmm. dread and and about really focused on the characters so much so that sometimes it was it was more hinted that there was these ghosts or supernatural phenomena that existed rather than yep. rather than definitely being presented and so yeah that creeping dread that's that's the expression I'm going to go with and I think that that's something that Blind Manor really captures there is this this emotion this deep well of emotion and this it's suspenseful at times, but it's also just this kind of just foreboding and dread mm-hmm. that just kind of continues and builds throughout the story. I really enjoy it. I would agree. I think that the casting on this is really great. Let me, there's so many great actors in mm-hmm. it, but I think the one that's still kind of still throws me off a little bit is is um i can't believe i forget his name henry um henry uh uh elliot from oh from et yeah the uncle yeah who's uh and i can't believe his name is eluding me right now henry thomas sorry i was <laughs> thinking henry james who is the author but henry <laughs> the thomas author. who played elliot does such a phenomenal job in that he did such yes. a good job in in hill house as well but mm-hmm. But the child actors are so killing good. it. They're killing and, it. And 
the I don't know that I would call her the main character, but the woman that plays the governess, Danny mm -hmm. Victoria Pedretti, she has just this expressive face. Yes. That you just feel everything it seems like she's going through. Yeah. I'm very fascinated by their adaptation of Hannah Gross, the caretaker of the house. I am really enjoying her energy and her story. I think they've done a really good job developing the character in a way that the book maybe didn't dwell on as much. They focused more on the kids and of Danny. And I think they're, the way they're telling her story is really great. Yeah, I and honestly, I I can't reflect back very well on that character enough to say, but I will say that without giving anything away, should have probably told people this was a spoiler-free conversation, but yeah. the I think that her story is just there's so much tragedy to go around in this yes. this overall tale that you just end up feeling for so many people, even the people that you wish you kind of didn't feel for yeah. at times. And, but I think that that's just really solid storytelling, but yeah, but it's, I wouldn't say scary. Um, so my boyfriend hates scary movies. I'm going to get real personal with this for a second. He doesn't, he won't watch them. He doesn't like jump scares. It's like a real issue because I really only watch scary movies. Um, and I made him watch it. And he actually did a lot better than I thought. Um, there were some scenes that he was quite frightened of. But I would agree that it's not... If you are someone who is super terrified... Or if you're listening to this podcast, you are not someone that gets very terrified. But if you have someone no, in your life... No, we don't know. I mean, because, you know, they might know. like listening to it. I mean, that's part of the, isn't that part of the thrill of watching horror and ghost stories is that it's, that, you know, these stories are disturbing, even with true crime, but, you know, with true crime, maybe you take something away from it, but with scary stories, it's a safe way of experiencing that fear or whatever. Yeah. I've heard feedback that there's some people that fast forward through my stories because they're too creepy. And by some people, I mean, it's my mother. Uh, hey mom, she only listens to your stories, Aaron. Um, but well, if they are disturbing stories, <laughs> but if you're the person that fast forwards through my stories, you'll be able to watch Bly Manor. It's like not that scary. I it's don't not, know not how scary. I take, I really don't know how I take that statement, frankly, like, what do you for mean? the milk for the milk toast fans in the audience <laughs> that don't Well want no, them. like if you don't like the icky feeling of true crime. Yeah, well then that's you can watch this show. It's not gory. I mean no, it's true, not gory. Crime, that's, true crime that's I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah, there's there's the gore element and and of some of the true crime stories that this does not have. But yeah. Okay. Well, um, I have a question for you because I know you've met her. Um, Carla, how do you pronounce her last name? Gugino. Gugino. Is she actually English? No. Her accent 
is so good in this. I was like, for a second, I thought she was actually English. No, she's actually Floridian. Wow. Which sometimes feels like another country, but yeah. Her accent is so good in this show. I really was like, was she faking an American accent in Son-in-Law? Well, <laughs> it's funny you brought that up. Yeah, a couple other people brought up Son-in-Law in my Oh my god, Instagram it's the best comment. movie. It was the, I was one I, of them. I do recall I do recall the movie. I, I like it a lot. I well I mean, I even thought Henry Thomas, Elliot, who has yeah. done a lot of stuff since E.T., but I thought he did a, a nice English accent. But the thing I was surprised by is some of the people, I mean, we uh, it's no surprise that some English actors tend to do really good American accents. So there was yes. a couple of people whose work I was familiar with in this show that I didn't know that they were they were not American because I'd previously seen them doing American accents. But mm. yeah, the I had one other thought about it. Oh, another thing about Henry Thomas is, so Mike Flanagan really has this stable of actors that he seems to be going to. And I, I really always enjoy that, especially when you're putting them in new roles. So Henry Thomas, who was in Hill House, was also in the Stephen King adaptation of Dr. Sleep and he stepped into the role of Jack Torrance in Dr. Sleep but he was also in Gerald's Game as was Carlo Gugino and so you're seeing these people pop up in his various stories and I think it's great because he clearly knows how to get these performances out of these actors and Mm -hmm. and they and there's that that kind of troop feel about it which which I enjoy so, I do too. Yeah, uh, I I would say uh, you know spooky thumbs up or whatever to Bly Manor, and yeah. um, I'm looking forward to to more from this whole crew. So let us For know sure. what you guys think about Bly Manor. Yeah. But so we've reached the end of yet another. Let's hey, how about next week? And you'll go trick or treating. Let's do it. And let's talk about trick or treating. Let's talk about it. Um, Before we go, we have a quick Patreon shout out. A thank you for one of our new top tier subscribers, Jackie S. I know she's a big paranormal caught on cam supporter, um, a supporter of yours and an amazing supporter of the show. So thanks, Jackie, for supporting us. Jackie is great. She's um, certainly a person that in her support for a lot of folks and for the podcast and is she's one of those people that just also just puts a smile on your face. Cause you see yes. her pop up in the feeds and, and it's a nice thing about doing these kinds of projects is it creates a community and then you're just happy to see those people, you know, show up in your timeline. Um, totally. So thank you, Jackie. As humans we're naturally driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used indeed. If you need to hire, you need indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.